0: Good morning, welcome to Hope Lowertown. Glad you're able to be here. And uh, as we get ready for Thanksgiving, I am a big fan of uh, stuffing, cranberry sauce, all that fun stuff. My mom actually makes some uh, homemade cranberry sauce, which is amazing. Uh, I normally pour that on everything, uh, which is uh, always good. So I this has been kind of a crazy week. I actually just got back, not just got back, I got back from Nashville, on wednesday i went down there uh to be honest i didn't know uh, why i was going on this trip i was invited by pastor steve uh to go down it was some some something to do with church planting and so uh you know he bought the ticket so sure why not i'll go to nashville with you um so i went down there with uh, davis johnson if you know him i share an office with him downtown two days a week and and uh went down there and it was all about church planning that kind of thing but but uh broadway street if you've never been down there is just you gotta you gotta check it out i'm not even like that big of a music fan you know like i mean i like music i I really do i like it a lot but i don't i don't know people if it's not the beatles or 30 seconds to mars i really don't know who it is and why they're singing it that's about it okay uh so what's that Dido, I do, I'm a big Dido fan, I am Dido, Uh, yep, I I do, that is on the background a lot when I'm working, Um, and it's just, it's just soothing, it's just, it's good music, man. Uh, Anyways, uh, went down there, and, and it just, it's amazing, it's like, there'll be one, one, you know, storefront with a drum set in the band, you know, the stage is right up against the glass and you can hear them through the glass. They have speakers going out and you just go to the next one and say, oh, that's not really my style. And you go to the next one, like, ah, oh, that's not my style. Go to the next one, oh, that one's good. Maybe we'll come back to that one. Um, so we really had, had a good time. Um, I had fun going out uh, with Stephen Davis in the evenings. And then we went to this conference thing. And again, it was a room full of people, probably 100, 150 people, and they were all directors of some kind of major church planning organization um, or they were CEOs of some large denomination or something like that. And we had to do introductions, right? So like every single person get the microphone and, and we're gonna say, here's my job and here's how many churches I've planted this last year. And I got the mic and I'm like, yeah, I'm with, I'm with this guy. Uh, I did plant a church a couple years ago and that's it, I'm out, right? It was, it was kind of weird, um, but did have a good time down there. And so I'll probably talk more about that. One thing that was really encouraging about that trip though, was seeing um, all these incredibly different uh, denominations within the Protestant evangelical world, um, uh, just saying, hey, we, we all have the same goal in mind that we want to see churches planted. We want to see more people hear the gospel and come into the kingdom of God. And so it doesn't matter what title uh, or denomination they're part of. We want to be able to help uh, one another and resource and that kind of thing. And so that was really encouraging just to see the kingdom do that kind of thing. Uh, Because I know just the way I grew up, uh, I probably wouldn't have been caught dead uh, in a room, uh, you know, working alongside of people that maybe were different theologically like some of these people. And yet we can say, hey, we're different on some things, but one thing is the same, that's the gospel, and we want to plant churches. And so... um, Anyways, glad to be back. It's been kind of a busy week since then, but uh, we're gonna be. uh, This is week eleven of Nehemiah. Next week is the last week, and so excited about uh, wrapping up Nehemiah and just how we've looked at his prayers uh, throughout this. And then next week after that, we start we start Christmas. It's that it's that time uh, already. So excited about that. Uh, We are planning on doing a Christmas Eve service here, uh, combined with First Baptist. And so I just want to let you know about that. I don't have handouts. Uh, just because of the crazy week, and so um, make sure that uh, if if you're able, if you're in town, love to come do that, do little candlelight uh, service and and that kind of thing. So. Um I like fresh bread. I like bread. Um, there's, a, there's a reason why, and, and maybe it's just me. Um, I, I enjoy even our, our, our communion bread. It's tasty. Uh, I enjoy it. Um, but then there's also just, there's something about fresh bread when it comes out of the oven. There are, there are certain things, actually, just at Costco this last time, we have a Costco membership because we have a little boy that eats more than I do. Um, and, and they have this um, prepackaged bread that's just like in like a vacuum sealed bag and it lasts for months. I don't know how it works, right? Uh, but then you just take it out of the bag, you bake it and it tastes like it's good bread, right? So so it kind of cheapens fresh bread, but man, there's no, nothing beats fresh bread that's just baked out of the oven. Um, my dad liked bread and it's kind of a joke in our family. Uh, there was one day we were like, my dad opened up a, a bag of like wonder bread, you know, just like a regular bag of, of, of sandwich bread. And he and he opened it up and just smelt it. And then he said, oh, I love fresh bread. And it was like, that's not, that's not, that's not fresh bread. Like, I don't know. So it kind of became this joke. My mom, back in the day, remember like the those pottery places where they would already have the, you know, you had to paint it. You could paint the pottery and they would they would fry it. Not fry it, uh, fire it, fire it. Um, <laughs> Deep fried pottery. Um and uh, so she she had with this big platter, you know, that she made. It said fresh bread on it, and we 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 laugh at that every time we see it. Of oh, wonder bread, fresh fresh bread. Um, and so, but Nehemiah, uh, this is it's, it was a stretch, is a bad one, okay? But but we're going to talk about manna today, uh, a little bit, talking about this bread from heaven um, that, when translated uh, appropriately, manna literally in the English is what is it that the Egyptians when they went outside and they saw this bread that God had provided for them, and they looked at the ground and they go. What is it? Well, we don't know, so we're just gonna call it what is it, and we're just gonna keep calling it what is it, and that's that's what's stuck, but that's that's manna. And so looking at Nehemiah chapter 13, 15 through 22, it's a shorter uh, passage this week, um, but yet there's a lot of history wrapped up in this and what's going on with Nehemiah. And specifically looking at the Sabbath, what is the Sabbath and why is it so important to them? And again, the Hebrew word that we know, and and a lot of people, at least within the Israelite and, and Jewish tradition, that they would call a Sabbath um, literally means stoppage. It's it's just a stoppage. It's it's a break. It's a rest from the normal day-to-day things that are going on. And so when God talks about you need to obey, you need to respect, or or, or have a stoppage, a Sabbath. That's what we're going to be looking at today. And then, are there any New Testament uh, equivalents? Are there anything that we should be doing um, with all of these laws in the Old Testament that that, that command and demand stoppage? Uh, Is there anything that we should be doing and how how does that work for us? Uh, And so let's just jump right in here. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 15 uh, says this. In those days... I saw people in Judah, all right, so, so again, Nehemiah, they're back in Jerusalem, the walls are built, and they're, they're going along with their lives, okay, so, so last week, uh, Nehemiah left, he went back home uh, to Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, and then he came back because he had heard some things, and he had to cleanse the temple, get rid of some things, and so, so that's where he's picking up, okay, so the, the temple worship has been uh, uh, brought back into place and where it should be, and so this is where Nehemiah is, so, so everything sh- is functioning the way it should be. So in those days, uh, I, Nehemiah, saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys together with with wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. And I think we might read that and say, what's the the big deal, right? I I remember I was driving in the car with my grandma and grandpa back in the day, um, and uh, they were both very quiet uh, people. And for whatever reason, they were, they were bickering about something. I don't remember what it was, just old couple fighting about something. And and my grandpa, finally, I've never heard him like yell ever in my life. And he grabs the wheel and he just goes, well, what's the big deal? Right. And I don't know, again, I don't know what I wish I would have known what they're arguing about, but he got very animated about that. But you can read this and just say, well, really, what is the big deal? They're just working. They're, they're going on with their livelihood. They're just providing food, right? It's not like they're out like, you know, playing football or riding jet skis or doing something. Like they're just trying to survive here, right? That, that's what's going on. But yet, Nehemiah makes this a really big deal. Why does he do that? So again, Nehemiah knows his scriptures. He knows his Bible. And so he's going to go back and he's going to remember Exodus chapter 20, 8 through 11. This is the 10 commandments, this is the fourth commandment of the 10 commandments where God is saying to his people, this, these first four have to do with, with my people's relationship with me. And the next six are going to have to do with your relationship with one another. But, but these first four are of utmost importance. And this is the fourth commandment of the 10 commandments It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a day of Sabbath to Yahweh your God, and on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, right? Not even the animals can do any work, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right, so that's the big deal. And then he's going to go on and he's going to remember. And Yahweh said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my sabbath. This will be a sign between me uh, and you for the generations to come so that they may know that I am Yahweh who makes you holy. Right. So, so just the observance of resting, of stopping, says we're part of something different. We have a greater God who gave us this command to observe. Verse 14, observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Like that that's the big deal here that Nehemiah is getting worked up about. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. They must be sent back into exile outside of the camp for six days, work is to be done. But the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Yahweh. And whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come as a lasting covenant. Moving on in Exodus, it will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. In six days, Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day rested and was refreshed. And when Yahweh finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets and the covenant law and the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. So now Moses is coming down from the mountain with these two tablets where God literally wrote this on stone. You will remember my Sabbath. You will keep my Sabbath. You will stop the way that I have commanded you to. And then in Jeremiah 17, uh, 27, again, but if you do not listen to me and keep the Sabbath day holy and do not bear uh, a burden and enter in the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates and it shall devour the places of Jerusalem and shall not be quenched. All right. You get the clear message from, from Yahweh here about the Sabbath. Ezekiel twenty twelve to 13. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbath as a sign between me and them that they might know that I am Yahweh who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness and they did not walk in my statutes, but rejected my rules by which if a person does them, he shall live. And my Sabbaths, they greatly profaned. All right, so this is, this is kind of a big deal. And he makes it very explicit. And yet Israel is going to get the very clear written in stone c- commands and they're going to break it. And then they're going to repent and they're going to get over that. and They're going to start doing things right again. And then they're going to fall right back into this, this vicious cycle of not obeying this command to remember the Sabbath. But again, you got to think they're, they're just doing their work. They're just trying to survive, right? And so we, we got no food, um, which is, uh, you can't say that any other way. Um, you have to say it that way. So the verse uh, going on here, it says, therefore, I warned them against selling food on that day. And, and this, that word, again, it doesn't, yes, that's what he's saying. I'm, I'm warning them against selling food, but it's more than that. It's not, that he's, he's trying to invoke some kind of memory and deeper thing specifically about manna, right? You're, you're doing all this work on the Sabbath. You're just trying to provide food for yourself or for others and for your family. But this, goes against everything everything that I have commanded. It goes against everything about who I am as your God to provide for you and to meet your needs. Specifically, he's looking back at manna. So going back to Exodus chapter 16, and it was kind of fun even just rereading these verses of how we preached through the book of Exodus a couple years ago and, and uh, really, really enjoyed that. So this is Exodus chapter 16, one through five. It says, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came down to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, in the 15th day in the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. I actually was just trying to figure out how many times the Israelites did this in the, in the wilderness, right? And there was 14 times where that word, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron or, or against God. In verse three, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by Yahweh's hand in Egypt, right? There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, right? P- pots of meat, right? Just, we just sit around pots of meat as a slave in Egypt, ah, really? Is that really what was going on? I I highly doubt that. We sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out in this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Well, you gotta think about that that logic that they're using there. God just, I mean, over and over and over miraculously displayed his power to them in Egypt, freed them from the Egyptians, had them cross the Red Sea on dry ground, and now they're going, I guess we're all gonna die out here because we don't have any food. Verse 4, then Yahweh said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven, manna, for you. And the people are to go out each day and gather for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And here it is. On that sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gathered on other days. All right, so you're going to bring it in. Why? Because they're not supposed to work. They're not even supposed to go outside and pick up manna, pick up bread from the ground. They're supposed to do twice as much on that day. And we got to think about this. This is a major, major test of their faith in a culture that was agriculture, right? Of of hunters and gatherers, of going out and doing these different things to say, okay, today you've you've got a family, you've got a bunch of little kids. Yeah, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to do anything today because God's going to provide it. And this is what Nehemiah is trying to remind the people, that we don't do this on the Sabbath, uh, which technically was, was Saturday. It would have been Friday night to, to Saturday night is their Sabbath. And this is a huge test to them. And I think, I think there are some parallels for us. But before we get into that, I do want to look at what is, what was, what is it like? I tried to write one of those um, uh, how many seashells would? You know, no, no, know. How much wood does a woodchuck chuck? If a woodchuck could chuck wood, right? Kind of things for this. Couldn't figure it out. My favorite one is how many Lows could Roblo Rob if Rob low could Rob Lows. <laughs> uh, it's fun. Um, I was trying to. i trying to do it. I'm not creative enough to to do that. So, I, I, what is, what is it? Uh, right. So this is this is going back again in Exodus and says uh, it was it was like coriander seed uh, and, and, and that it was, it was white, right? It was white like coriander seeds. So it doesn't mean that it tasted, uh, like coriander seed, but it, but it looked there was a simile here, right? It, it, it was white like coriander seed and it tasted like wafers, uh, made with honey. And so this is some coriander seeds. Um, cause I didn't, I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and, uh, so these little, little, looks like chubby wheat, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> So that's a good explanation of it. Uh, and so it's like this, right? These, these grains here, right? That they would go out, but it, but it wasn't grain. It wasn't in grain form. It was, it was pre-made. They would like peel it off of, off of the ground and they would either bake it or they would fry it. Uh, and so it would either be, they would make it into like bagels or donuts, right? Depending on how it was prepared. I'm sure it was super, super tasty. I do want to quote, it's been a while since I've read a quote, but I want to read, read uh, uh, Douglas Stewart here. And I really want to just let this land uh, practically for us. It is a shame that such a wonderful, divine provision should have come about as a result of faithful, uh, faithless grumbling on the part of the people. How much better it would have been had the Israelites just prayed patiently and trustingly for God's answer to their lack of food a month into their Exodus journey. One month, they just saw God do some incredible things, grumbling is hardly to be commended and is not itself worthy of reward. God, however, still heard it and graciously responded, not in kind, that is, with a poor quality provision suitable for grumblers, but with a miraculous, tasty, nutritious, and sufficient food, exactly what he would have sent had they prayed faithfully in the first place. His goodness to his people is not dependent on their willingness to respect him as they ought. This is not to say that respect for God's will is irrelevant to his rewards, only that it's temporal as opposed to eternal rewards often do not correlate with our temporal behavior. Because I I look at this and I say, man, how, how often am I guilty of that? Of complaining about something and then yet still seeing God's hand move Still seeing God answer prayer, maybe not even praying, maybe not even going to God in prayer, and yet still seeing him deliver and come through when I don't deserve it, when we don't deserve it. To not grumble, to not complain, but do what we should do in the first place and seek God out rather than grumble and complain and then get a response. Because it's exactly what happens in the history of Israel. Now we've been here before. So going back to the passage of Nehemiah, verse thir- chapter 13, verse 16, it says, people from Tyre who lived uh, in Jerusalem were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. All right, so, so now there's foreigners, which we read, they're not even supposed to be doing this. But the Israelites are supposed to say, nope, nope, you, you can't do that. You can't be in here doing these, doing these things. So verse 17, I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this wicked thing that you're doing? Desecrating the Sabbath day. Right? like, hello, we've been here, right? I love this verse. Didn't your ancestors do the same thing so that our God brought all this calamity on us and on this city? And now you're stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath? He's saying the reason why we're in the boat that we're in is because we did this before. We keep doing the same thing over and over. Uh, Friday is my day with my boys, Uh, it's my day off, and so I get to take the boys out. And so I went to uh, uh, Chick fil A. uh, you know, my Chick-fil-A closed on Sunday. Hey, let me, this is a side, let me give an aside, let me give an aside, hang on, I, I dropped a bomb. Let me give an aside, this is an aside, okay? I'm stepping over here. I haven't talked about Kanye West, um, but I'm, I'm gonna just say something real quick, okay? If you don't know who that is, it's okay. He's just a, a very, very popular uh, musician, um, and he recently, I mean, I mean, did a, did a complete 180 as far as life of debauchery and lifestyle and, and literally a complete 180 turning repentance of, of follower of God and is very vocal about it and just came out with a new album called Jesus is King. Um, and, and listen, I, I don't, it's not my kind of music. It's not my style, right? I'm a Dido kind of guy. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but I'll say this. The the lyrics when you when you look at the lyrics and when you really listen to this this album it's deep it is it is incredibly deep it is theologically rich it is theologically sound um, and and so I'm, I'm I'm thankful for this new album um, and so a lot of people man is, is he real I don't know what's going on mean, he says some things he, you know he got interviewed by Joel Osteen and what's going on with all this stuff I praise God that I wasn't famous when I was converted right that this, this guy was already in the limelight, was already the, one of the most popular household names in the, in the country, if not the world, and then he gets saved, and then we're like, oh man, he's got some really weird, bad theology. Uh, yeah, so did you when you first got saved, right? So, uh, so anyways, that, that's, that's that. Okay, so back to, back to Chick-fil-A. All right. With my boys, right? Not, not so much Jack. Uh, Jack is, you know, eight months, so it, he just does whatever he wants to do, um, uh, but with Henry, Henry, Henry knows things, right? And, and it's amazing to see, you know, a two and a half year old process, like I just told you, don't throw food on the floor. And yet watch him just deliberately, huh, right? It's just like, no, no, I just, I just told now you got to, now you gotta take a time out. You got to get punished for this now. And then, and we come back and then, same thing. It's like what, like, why? What's going on in your brain that would make you say, "I'm going to get punished for this thing if I do it," but I'm still going to do it anyway? And I was preparing. I was just like, "Man, I, I do this all the time." And I've said this a million times that when we when we choose to sin, because it is a choice. When we choose to sin, whether by sins of, of commission, of commission, of doing something, or sins of omission, of of not doing something that we ought to be doing. It's a choice every single time. And when we choose the sin, we choose to suffer, just like my two and a half year old. And we do this over and over and over. That God says, I want you to rely on me. I want you to depend on me. And then we say, I think I can do this better and faster and more efficiently on my own. I don't want to have to sit around and wait. I don't want to have to get on my knees and pray. I just want to take care of it. I just want to fix it. And Nehemiah says, it's not how this works. We've been in this situation because we didn't obey the commands of God. So wrapping up, at least this this section of Nehemiah says this, When evening shadows fell on the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I ordered the doors to be shut and not opened until the Sabbath was over. I stationed some of my own men at the gates so that no load could be brought in on the Sabbath day. Once or twice, the merchants and the sellers of all kinds of goods spent the night outside of Jerusalem. All right, so, so again, he's, he's like, so the, the people, they, they come to Jerusalem with all their stuff and their goods to trade and to sell, but the doors are closed. They just go, well, we'll just spend the night here. We'll just set up camp outside. But I warned them and said, why do you spend the night by the wall? If you do this again, I will arrest you. All right. And so we got to think, imagine like, all right, we're not supposed to, to go and we're not supposed to sell. We're not supposed to work, but there's, there's food right outside the door. All right. All we have to do is walk outside, buy some food, come back in. We're all good. And it's just another further temptation of the Israelites at this point. But I warned them and said, if you do not, if, do not spend the night by the wall, if you do again, I will arrest you. And from that time on, they no longer came on the Sabbath, right? And again, let's, we got to think about like, what is happening here? Nehemiah is screaming, this is who our God is in their own way as Israel saying, this is Yahweh, the God who brought us out of, Israel, out of Egypt, the one that commanded us to remember the Sabbath. And, and, and now even the neighbors know and respect, hey, we shouldn't, we shouldn't go there on the Sabbath. And then I command the Levites to purify themselves and go and guard the gates in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. And then he has this prayer, remember me. For this also, my God, and show mercy to me according to your great love. And again, this isn't nationalistic, and this isn't even really uh, selfish of saying, remember me, but show mercy to me according to your great love. And the great love wrapped up in your covenants with Israel and with him. So are there any New Testament correlations for this? This is actually kind of difficult. It's a loaded question because we, we could get into the, the covenants and the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant in Jesus Christ and his blood. But what, what we do know is that Jesus and his blood has set us free from the law, set us free from these things. And the old, and the old covenant, the Old Testament, uh, and, and specifically the Ten Commandments are part of an old covenant that's no longer active that it has been superseded by the covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we no longer live under the law, but under grace and mercy. So does that mean we can just go do whatever we want? No, that's not the whole, that's not the point. We go from we have to do these things to now we get to do these things. All right, so the the one of the, the biggest New Testament, uh, maybe equivalents, is in Hebrews chapter 10. It just says to not, uh, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now, this, this verse was used as a manipulative tool uh, growing up. And again, we went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every single week. And it was used in the sense, we would, so we'd have church, you know, our, our Sunday gathering and Sunday morning, and then Sunday night, there'd only be like a 10th of the amount of people that were there on Sunday night and that were there on Sunday morning. But the, but the Sunday night crowd, man, that was the devoted crowd. That was the people who really cared about the church, right? And I wanted to be part of that crowd, I don't, want to be, I don't want to be judged, right, for not being there on Sunday night or Wednesday night. And, then, and this verse was used, and I actually, I, I, I looked it up, I was trying to find something, right? And this was a, uh, a the, so the verse here in the King James says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as ye see the day approaching, all right? and, then, and then, In other words, when the end, end of times are coming, like we need to be gathering together, right? But this phrase, right, this is crazy. I mean, you talk about manipulative, right? If, if church, or your job, would you still be employed? I mean, yikes! Right? Like, what? If okay, listen. Church is my job, but if I only worked one day a week, no, I'm fired! Right? Like, that's not that's not okay, right? It's 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 just a manipulative way. But then to say, but then what is the verse talking about? He's saying, don't forsake the assembly that we do gather, and we gather for a reason. Um. This, and this is actually different in other, in other religions and even within Catholicism. It is a sin to not go to church, to not go to weekly mass, right? And we're not in that camp. And yet at the same point, we would say that this is important, that this is really important to be here. And you're all like, oh man, I'm glad I showed up this week, right? But this, this is part of it. Because the church isn't the building, right? I did find uh I found this picture, too, of um, uh, someone. I, it's Jesus walking with a, a desktop uh, computer. Does anyone still have one of those desktop towers like that? Does anyone use one of those? Oh, yeah. Nice. A few of you. All right. Um, and uh, right now, and the whole point of this, I was reading the article that and, uh, that someone, you know, really bad picture and graphic designer, but they put this, you know, computer screen on Jesus's face. And the whole idea was, man, we live in a, in a, in an age where if, if church is about learning the Bible and it's about singing some songs, well, I can do, I can do that from home on the computer. Why, why get up early? Why show up to church at 845? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Why, why do that why in the world would we do that when I can just log in right I mean we're, the sermon's being recorded I can just listen to this I, I don't need to actually get up early and go to church and I don't need to be asked a question it's awkward I'm an introvert it's just weird I don't I, why why do these things right and so the, the big thing and I don't and again man I, I'm not trying to dance around this to say this this is this is important it is really really important. Uh, to be here, to be present. And again, not just be, not for me and not just to, to listen to the teaching of God's word, but for us and for the community. And so I just have a question. Do we make church a priority, right? Are we, are we more concerned about maybe the plans that we've made? And again, I'm, I'm gonna be gone next week. All right, I'm, I'm, in, I'm celebrating Thanksgiving with my mom down in Illinois. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm thankful and I'm looking forward to that, right? But do we make church a priority in our lives, right? Or do we make Saturday nights a priority? And I want to encourage you, if we really want to take this time that we have seriously, we need to do a better job on Saturday nights. And I know a lot of us have have kids and 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 that's just hard. But do we say to man, do we do we are we well rested? Are, are we are we showing up ready and willing to serve, to listen, to not be tired, to not be exhausted, to not be whatever, but to show up and to be present? I'm actually going to quote a friend of mine who if you rewound the clock five years, I would say hell will freeze over the day I quote Patrick Ray on a Sunday morning. And I know a lot of you don't know Patrick, but um, he was an intern uh, with me when I was in Trek one. And just last night, um, as I was working on the sermon and I I came across a Facebook post that he that he wrote. And Patrick is currently planning a church in North Minneapolis and and, uh, excited about what he's doing and, and happy for him and his wife, Shelby. And the little daughter, I think Hope is her name, I think. Um, no, it's something else. What is it? Adeline? Oh, I I was very close. was very, (laughs) very close. Um, this is what he said, though. This is his Facebook uh, post. I read theology all week. I listen to people lecturing about theology all week. I take breaks from studying theology to read theological articles. I've heard many people in situations similar to mine say, since I study all week, I don't feel the need to go to church on Sundays. This misses the point of Sunday gatherings. Sundays are not primarily for learning, right? And I, and I agree with him. This, my time, do I want you to learn something? Yes. Do I want you to, to, to be more like Jesus when you walk out of here than you were before? Yes, of course I do. I want the spirit to speak through his words to you, to convict you, to change you. Yes, but it's not about learning. And this shouldn't be your only meal, right? It's kind of a phrase that people say, I'm just not getting fed. That's not my job. Right? This is maybe just the appetizer. This is just getting the stomach rumbling. So that when you go home, when you're with, your, with, your, with yourself or, or with other people around you to, to study in together and by yourself, and that should be the meal. So it's not just primarily for learning, but for remembering what God has done in Christ and what God will do through him. And that's why we remember through taking the Lord's Supper every week. And he says, "I will continue to go to church gatherings on Sundays for as long as I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior." All right? like Patrick. Yeah, man, you nailed it. Now I think there's more to it, and I don't think he, he you know, it's, he's just he's on Facebook. He's not writing his, you know, masterpiece here, right? But I think, man, there's so much of of this that is community. You able to see people, to get to know people, and like, I mean, get to know people, not just talk about the weather, all right? But get into get into people's emotions and their feelings and have community and that you are the church, that this church isn't gonna grow because we've got really good coffee. It's not gonna grow because we get better children's programs or any of that stuff. It's gonna grow when the people of God start living and acting like the people of God inside and outside of this church. And that's, that's myself included. So in conclusion, I wanna look at this bread from heaven. All right, if, if there is, if that's the Old Testament, what is the New Testament equivalent it's Jesus, and it always has to be Jesus. I hope you don't get sick of Jesus. And I love that, what, 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 uh, what Patrick said of, man, as long as I'm a great sinner and he remains a great savior, I need this. And I need Jesus. And so this is the Lord's prayer from Matthew chapter six. He says this, when this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? The, the same way that your will your commands, your decrees are being completely and freely obeyed in heaven. Would that be done here that when you command me and when you, you ask me to do something that my only response would be yes, that I would never choose to sin. And then he says this, give us today our daily bread. And he is specifically, again, remembering this manna, remembering the provision that God gave his people day in and day out. And he's saying, give us today our daily sustenance. Give us what we need, but not just physical. Jesus very rarely takes care of only physical needs of people. He really cares about their spiritual needs. Verse 12, forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so in John chapter six, just before this, where I'm about to read, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. Right? He took a piece of bread and somehow he broke it and then there was still more bread there. And he kept doing this miracle over and over and over enough to feed 5,000 people. This incredible miracle m- matter, material being made in front of people's eyes. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, this people that followed him that had just fed, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because of the, you, the, uh, you saw the signs I performed, right, of, of producing this miracle, but because you ate your loaves and had your fill. You're, you're following me because you just want more food. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, right? He's, yes, I'm going to take care of your immediate physical need, but there's something more going on here, your spiritual need, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval, and they asked him, what must we do uh, to do the works God requires? So he looks, he's just saying, hey, look, I'm here. I, I'm here. I want to give you this, this eternal life. What, do we, what, what works do we have to do right now? And Jesus answers, the work of God is this. All right? Here's the work. If you want to call it a work, here's the work. Believe in the one he has sent. Believe in me. So they asked him, Well, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? Right? Like, like they're still not getting it. What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, right? They had bread all the time. As is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Right? We, we want this bread continually. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who, gave, who, gave, who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread, right? They're, they're still thinking physical. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread. Well, you're not getting this. It's not about a physical bread. I am the bread of life. And we're gonna partake of bread that re- represents and who we can remember this bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Physically hungry? It's not what he's talking about. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. All those the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this will be of him who sent. and this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of those that he has given me, but raise them up in that last day for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. That's really, really good news. And while we might be in a physical need and we're on our knees praying and begging God to do something, to heal someone, to, to give some kind of provision for something, again, the same thing over and over should always be but Jesus, that he is my daily bread, that he is my sustenance, that feeds me and feeds my soul, not just for a moment or for a day, but for all of eternity. So in closing, in gospel application, do we make going to church a priority? And whoever that means to you. And again, don't feel any judgment for me. I, I hope you don't do that. I, I love you all. And uh, I'm thankful, so thankful for you. Um, and, uh, but we do, do we make this a priority in our own lives? Secondly, do we depend on God for our daily bread? Or do we first try to fix it ourselves? And I wrote in there over and over, because this is something I do over and over, that I am consistently and constantly saying, "Ah, I'm going to choose me. I'm going to choose to do it my way instead of waiting, depending, relying on the bread from heaven. So will you pray with me now? As we enter into a time of communion, a time of worship, as we look at this sacrificial meal, and all I would ask is, are you a follower of Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, you say, yes, I want to partake in this sacrificial meal, to partake of this bread of life and of the the blood that we will never go hungry or thirsty again because of the eternal sacrifice that Jesus has made once for all people. Now, you would come freely if you say, yep, that's me. I'm on team Jesus. Um, Would you uh, share this meal with me as we sing and as we pray and repent uh, during this time. Heavenly Father, I wanna pray as Jesus taught us to pray. God, we want your name to be hallowed. We want your name to be famed. We want your name to go out and be proclaimed everywhere. And specifically with this church, within this neighborhood, within this community. So God, would you help us? Would you would you give us boldness? The way the apostles uh, pray for boldness, that not, not for protection, not, not for anything like that, that I don't want to be uh, shunned or made fun of or, or my feelings hurt, but you would give us boldness to proclaim the gospel, that we would see lives changed. We would see lives radically transformed, that we would see people baptized into your kingdom for all of eternity, not just for a little moment or a morsel or, or, or just some warm, fuzzy feeling that I think this deity might be giving me, but for all of eternity, would you help us do that? And God, would you help us just to remember as we look and we partake of this meal, to remember the manna that you provided for your people. And then we would look to Jesus Christ, the bread of life who takes away our sins. And we remember his sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice that he paid for us, his sheep, his brothers and sisters. So God, we thank you for all you do and all you're going to do. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this body that represents you and your bride. And so God, would you now be honored and glorified as we go from here and go our separate ways? And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.